Hey, Church Online, thanks for joining us today. Let's start off today with God's Word. Revelation 2 says this, And to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write the words of the first and the last, who died and came to life. Who's talking right here? Who is the first and the last, the one who died and came to life? If you said Jesus, you're right. Actually, before we read on, let's pause for a moment and get a little context for this passage. And so the Apostle John, he is the last of the 12 alive, the last of those who were uh, the closest disciples to Jesus. And at this point in his life, he's exiled to the island of Patmos because of his faith in Jesus Christ. And he's there, and, and, and all of a sudden he receives this supernatural vision. And then he wrote down that vision, and we now call it the book of Revelation. And it's largely a vision of the future, of what will happen during the end times, which is still future to us today. However, the book begins with seven letters to seven churches that are presently existing when John is on Patmos. And Jesus has something important to say to each of these churches. Furthermore, what Jesus says to them is for us too. It speaks to our churches just as much as it spoke to theirs. And in Revelation 2, when we begin to read, it, it, it says that Jesus is speaking to the, the church of Smyrna. And, and as he starts, as was uh, common with each of these seven letters, Jesus begins to describe himself in a specific way that would have been relevant to that specific church that he was speaking to. And to Smyrna, he reveals himself as the first and the last, and the one who came who died and came to life. In other words, I'm the eternal one. I'm the Lord over everything, even death, the greatest enemy humans know. So why is this relevant to Smyrna? Well, look at what he says next. He says, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich and the slander of those who say that they are Jews, but are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. It was relevant to them because they were experiencing persecution. They were suffering for being Christians. Some were dying for Jesus. And Jesus looks directly at them and says, I see it all. I know everything that's going on. More than that, I know what it's like to suffer because remember, they killed me too. But guess what? I defeated death. I'm alive and I'm Lord over everything. Therefore, verse 10, do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and for 10 days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Jesus says, don't be afraid. I got you. You belong to me. Death ain't no thing. I'm Lord over both death and life, and I can give you life. But here's the part I want us to focus on. Notice the hopeful statement at the end of that verse. It says, be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. You know, when I read that just a moment ago by a show of hands, even though I can't really see you, how many of you got excited about the crown of life? Now, if you are raising your hand, either as basketball player Shaquille O'Neal said back in the 90s, you're faking the funk on a nasty dunk, which means you're lying, or 
Number two, you are more holy than I am because I'm going to be honest. I'm a pastor, but the crown of life, that's not really doing it for me. And I'm assuming that that's true for most of us. But here's the thing. We should be excited about the crown of life, especially since Jesus seems to be, seems to be emphasizing it here. Looking at the language that we find in verse 10, we see that Jesus first gives a command. He says, be faithful unto death. And then he offers up as an emphatic reward because if you do, I am going to give you the crown of life. So why don't we get excited about it? I think it's because we don't get it. And as we continue in our mini sermon series on our 2023 vision of moving on up, previewing each of the four phases that will help us spiritually grow up this year. Today, we are on the final phase, phase four, which is heaven. And in this series, we're going to talk about why we should be excited about heaven. Because if we're honest, just like we're not excited about the crown of life, most of us aren't excited about heaven either. Actually, they're kind of related because the, the crown of life is a heavenly reward. And the reason why we're not excited about either of those things is because we don't get it. But phase four, it's going to change that. Now, some of you might be saying, but wait, I, I, I am excited about heaven. And if that's true, God bless you. You are ahead of the game. And again, you're more holy than me. And even Pastor John, our, our worship pastor, because this idea of doing a series on heaven was birthed over one of our Friday morning coffee sessions where we shared in the safety of our, of our, of our space, we shared how, you know, heaven seems kind of boring. You know, when we think about heaven, some of us uh, uh, think that we're going to turn into these fat chubby angels with harps and sit on clouds all day. That might be relaxing for like a day, but not for eternity. And other times we hear that heaven is going to be this unending worship service. And I'm going to throw myself under the bus right now. You know, I'm a pastor. I'm even a former worship leader. I love worship music, but a worship service forever, that does not sound exciting to me. Nevertheless, the Holy Spirit reminds me that this is not right. Not that those two descriptions about heaven are accurate, but it's not right that I'm not excited about heaven. And the reason that we or I am not excited is because we or I, we don't get it. And just as God spoke to the church of Smyrna in a relevant way, knowing exactly what they needed to hear, I think God knows that we need a fresh vision on heaven. We need to be taught what God says about heaven so we can rightfully be excited about it. And this excitement is going to change our lives because destination always impacts desire. And if we get heaven right, I believe our spiritual growth will be exponential because we will better understand our purpose and our final destination. You know, my senior year of high school, I applied to only one college, UCLA. And it was the only college I wanted to go to, but I didn't get in. And so I began to attend community college. And, and that's not bad. Community college is good. But I wasn't excited about it, mostly because I didn't have a plan. I didn't have a destination. I wasn't working towards a purpose. I was just going to school because I thought that's what you were supposed to do. And so every semester, I would drop out because I got bored or something temporarily better came along. 
And I think we do that with our faith too. You know, we attend church, we attend life group. We know it's good that we're attending these things. We just aren't excited about it. And we may think, you know, why am I doing this? Or where is this taking me? And then sometimes we may even drop out of church for a season. We stop going because we get bored or something temporarily better comes along. And I think this is connected to the fact that we don't know our destination and that has impacted our desire to grow, to move on up. However, when I gave my life to Jesus and he called me to be a pastor, my desires began to change. And I saw God's vision for my life. I understood my calling and purpose and destination. And part of the preparation for my, call, uh, for my calling involved going back to school so I could get my theological training. And this time I didn't drop out because my desires were different. I was excited to be there because I was working towards a destination. And that's what phase four is all about. And that's why it'll be important for our church because God's got a calling and a purpose and a destination for all of us. And our desire to grow up into these things is directly impacted by our understanding of our destination, of our understanding of heaven. And so what's phase four gonna be like? What will we learn about heaven? Well, let's do a quick preview. And since we've been talking about school, let's process heaven through something that most of us learned in school. Let's look at heaven through the questions of who, what, where, why, when, and how. And let's start with the question, who? And this is a kind of a weird question because we're talking about a place. We're talking about heaven. That's not a who. But something we will come to understand over this year is although heaven is a very real place, it's more than a location. Most of us will agree that there is an intimate relationship between the biblical ideas of heaven and eternal life. In many ways, they're synonymous. That being said, look at what Jesus says in John chapter 17. He says, and this is eternal life. This is heaven that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Heaven is not just a location or living forever. It's a who. Heaven is Jesus Christ. It's living with the person we were created for. Heaven is being with God. That being said, let's ask the question, what? Although heaven is a person, heaven is an actual place too. And so what is heaven like? Well, let's let, let's look at what God's word has to say. Revelation 21 says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. First off, we got to define some things. Notice how verse one says new heavens and new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And so what is this all about? Well, we don't have time to go in depth with this today, but the first earth is what we're living in right now. And the first heaven is a very real, pla real place where currently both the people and presence of God are. However, these things are 
temporary. And while the current heaven is beyond our imagination, crazy enough, there is something better coming. One day, God will make a new heaven and a new earth, and the new heaven is often the place that most of us are thinking about and longing for. With that said, notice some things about the, the new things that, that, that God creates. Notice how there's some, some familiarity in it. There's a heaven and an earth and a city. And if we read the rest of this chapter, we'd see that there's mountains and jewels and gates and walls and streets, a temple and nations and light and sun and moon. Even Revelation 22 says, the, the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as, as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nation. And so we see here that there's water and trees and fruit and months. There's time. And I believe it's important we see that John describes what heaven is like with familiar language. Because sometimes the heaven that we hear about today seems unfamiliar and even unnatural. Like, again, it's an unending worship service. Is that really what God created us for? For us to be stuck in, in a temple singing all day? Or we're fat babies on a cloud. You know, God didn't create us that way now. For, and is that what we should expect in heaven? In Revelation, I believe God is telling us heaven is the best version of some of our favorite and familiar things here on earth. Because we were created to live in a physical earth with physical bodies to enjoy physical things. And those are the kind of things that we get excited about because God designed us for those things. And I think that we'll be able to explore the new heaven and earth and discover and play and laugh and do meaningful work in a beautiful physical creation because that's the type of environment God designed us for. God didn't create me for this which is why it doesn't excite me. I love what Randy Alcorn says. He's, he's a guy who wrote a book about heaven and it's a book that I'm gonna be referencing a lot when we get to phase four. He says, we do not desire to eat gravel. Why? Because God did not design us to eat gravel. Trying to develop an appetite from a disembodied existence in a non-physical heaven is like trying to develop an appetite for gravel. You know what I do get excited about? I get excited about places like this. Now, that's not heaven, but it is a place Janelle and I are thinking about visiting this summer. I first saw it uh, when I was running on a treadmill at the edge and, and there, there, there was uh, on, on one of the screens, uh, it, it allowed me to, to pick my running destination and so I chose New England, of course, because I love New England and this was one of the locations I got to run in. And, and I went home and I told you, now we got to go here. I had a desire for that destination. And I get excited about places like this because God created me to enjoy a beautiful physical creation. And heaven, where we are going, will not be a dull, non-physical place like, like clouds. It, 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 it will include a, the beauty of Maine or even Hawaii or maybe any other places like that. But then there'll be times a million. 
And we should be excited about it. Now, I, I got to speed up because otherwise it's going to feel like we're stuck in one of those unending uh, worship services. And so the next question, where? Where is heaven? Well, currently, I, I don't know. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't got the intelligence to understand or explain the where aspect of heaven. But regarding the new heaven, I do know this. We read it a moment ago. Revelation 21 says, And I saw the holy city in New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them as their God. You know, one day we won't need to ask, where is heaven? Because the new heaven and the new earth will be together. God, who is ultimately heaven, will be living with us. One day we'll be able to say things like, hey, let's go see Jesus today. And then we'll just walk down to the new Jerusalem because we will know where it is. Now, that's kind of cool. That gets me excited. Let's ask the question, when? Obviously, there's some overlap in answering these questions. We already talked about that heaven exists now. Additionally, in the future, God will make a new heaven and a new earth. But when will that happen? I don't know. You know, the answer the Bible gives us is this. Jesus said, and behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. You know, John wrote this down 2,000 years ago. That doesn't feel like soon. And so why did Jesus say soon? Well, in this context, Jesus isn't necessarily referring to time, but readiness. When he says, I am coming soon, he's saying, I will come quickly or unexpectedly, implying don't worry about the clock. What you need to do is be ready because I can come at any moment. Next week, uh, we officially start phase one, which will be growing in Christ. And as we grow in Christ, our love for Christ is going to increase. And when that happens, so does our desire to see him and be with him. We will be like the Apostle John who heard Jesus say, surely I am coming soon. And then the spiritually mature John replied, amen, come Lord Jesus, I'm ready for you. That's when we know that we're growing in our faith. When we hear Jesus say, I'm coming soon, and your reply is, hey, hurry up. I'm ready for you, Lord. And it's not just because you want to escape this world, but because you love him and you want to live with him. And now to the why question. Why should heaven be our destination? I mean, maybe your life here on earth is pretty good. You can honestly say, like, I like this place. Let's explore this question this way. One difficulty for even many mature Bible-believing Christians is the issue of marriage and heaven. We know that God created marriage and that marriage is good. It is one of the greatest examples of the love relationship between, between Christ and, and the church, which, by the way, is the reason why we're so passionate about biblical marriage. But yet, many of us have read where Jesus said, for when the dead rise or when y'all get to heaven, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. In other words, bro, there ain't no marriage in heaven. And this is confusing because godly marriage is a beautiful thing. And we don't want to lose that. It doesn't make sense for that to be missing in a place like heaven. 
Now, we don't have time to fully discuss this today, but whether we're talking about marriage or any other beautiful gift from God experienced on earth, know this, that even on its best day, it's but a shadow. Our present experience is only a hint of something more beautiful and better in heaven. So don't let your desires be limited to this earth. As the Apostle Paul says, he says, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Regardless of how we currently feel, know that God has much more for us in heaven. And so don't be more excited about earthly things than you are about heaven. Let heaven be your destination and your desires be for what's there. Because no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And one of my favorite places here on earth to visit is, is Great Wolf Lodge. And I know that sounds strange, but don't judge me. You know, but, but for real, I love going there with my family and just relaxing. When I get there, I usually hop in the lazy river and I just float in peace. And I love it. But the peace I experience, that's only a shadow of something infinitely better awaiting for me in heaven. That's why I should desire heaven as my destination. That's why I should move on up because God has a better peace waiting for me in heaven that will never end because you know what? My time at Great Wolf, it always ends. My peaceful time on the lazy river eventually comes to a close and then it's back to reality. The reason it does is because it's a shadow. It's not the real, eternal, heavenly thing that my heart truly longs for. If it was, it wouldn't end. I love the way that C.S. Lewis explains this truth at the conclusion of the Narnia series. He says, and for us, this is the end of all the stories. And we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at least they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Why go to heaven? Because it's the place we were created for. We aren't made for the shadowlands. We are made to live in the great story where every day is better than the one before. Can you imagine a life like that? Well, get ready, get excited, because that is what God has prepared for us. And so let's end today asking how. How do we get to heaven? Is it by being a good person, making sure our good works outweigh our bad works? Are we supposed to find secret knowledge that will help us unlock the heavenly doors? Do we just follow any path because all paths lead to God? Speaking of heaven, Revelation 21 says, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. How do you get into heaven? How do you enter into eternal life? Your name needs to be written in the Lamb's book of life. In other words, you need Jesus. 
That's why Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father. No one goes to heaven except through me. And he also said, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door. If we want heaven as our destination, we must turn from our sinful desires, the thing that has been separating us from God. We need to repent and then put our faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. We believe that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was payment for our sins. And that just as Jesus rose from the dead, showing that that payment was accepted, we too now know, because we put our faith in Christ, that we will rise too. We will move on up to heaven. That's how. And so is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? If not, it can be today, right now. How do I know that? Well, because the Holy Spirit says, come. Let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, the one who needs to get into heaven, let him come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. God wants you in heaven. So do you need to receive his salvation today? If so, pray with me. Pray this, God, uh, I, I want my name to be in the Lamb's book of life. I want to enter the place you created me for, but I know I don't deserve it. I've sinned against you, but I believe in what Jesus, who is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, I believe in what he did for me. And so I put my trust in him as my Lord and Savior. Please forgive me for my sins. I am ready to follow you for the rest of eternity. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us for Church Online. If this was your first time joining us, fill out a Connect card. We would love to say hi to you, even send you a gift. Also, if you have any prayer requests, would like to know more about the River Church, or maybe you have decided to make heaven your destination by following Jesus today, we want to hear from you. And there is an easy way to do that on our website, riverchurchct.com, or you can text the keyword TRC Connect to 94,000. God bless you. Have a great day.